How are you doing? Okay. I love this service. I missed all of you last year. We all did. We missed it. I do have to say that you've got a child of Finns that wants to sit on the front row. That, uh, that has a foreboding. I'm just letting you know that um, either you've got a, a little preacher on your hands or the opposite. So, regarding church and all. Um, last year, it was very different for us here to bring a service to you without having you here. And, uh, boy, we had all hoped that we'd be farther along with all this, didn't we? Um, thank you for your cooperation uh, and your uh, vigilance in taking care of yourselves and taking care of each other with your mask during the service today. We know that it's not comfortable, but it is necessary, and we'll keep it brief. So, When I was a child, the Christmas story had, um, I had some problems with it. Because as I got older, it didn't make a lot of sense. And then I was told to just go ahead and embrace it and not question it. And uh, that's okay. That's okay. Rather than reading the Christmas scripture to you like I do usually every year, I'm going to get cut right to the chase. The Christmas story is important to us in the sense that a, it, it lends a sense of tradition to the season. It has visual and, and auditory and, uh, and spoken cues that um, enliven the holiday spirit, that enliven the Christmas spirit. It's important for that. It's also important because it's lasted through all these years in a way that touches all of us differently. And one of the easiest ways for us to look at it is to look at what every single element of the Christmas story means to us, what every one of those characters represents as us. So rather than giving you the metaphysical Bible interpretation of what this is, I'm just going to offer some suggestions to, do, to you that will maybe stimulate um, an idea of your own exploration. So if you saw my, uh, my Facebook Live midday reflection yesterday, you heard a little bit of this. And, um, and I did have a couple of people who commented, adding to my narrative, which I, I, they kind of stole my thunder. That's what I was going to say today. So, um, so if you saw that, yes, you can go back and read the Facebook page and see what our own people have added to the story. But one of the things that I said was, um, imagine Mary, pregnant, riding on a donkey for a period of time, and um, I think it's not even a, any trouble for people who've never born children to realize how uncomfortable that would be. And then to arrive at the destination, and somebody didn't make reservations ahead of time, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> And so they got there, and, uh, and the accommodations were less than accommodating. So I have thought about how weary Mary must have been. 
even though she, um, in, the, in the way the narrative is told, even though she actually uh, was welcoming this miracle birth, I had to think that after a while she would be tired. Just be tired from carrying a baby and riding on a donkey. Can't even imagine. And then having to not sleep in a comfortable bed, but to sleep rather on straw and give birth there. So if you think about Mary being weary and then translating that to us, I would just ask you if there's any point during this last year, two years, that you've become weary. So we can look at the story of Mary and go, yeah, but there was a good ending. So we can look at our story and go, yes, there's a good ending. It's not that far a leap. And then we look at Joseph, who was thrust into circumstances beyond his control, was encouraged by spirit to roll with it, and so he did. And he took on that awesome sense of responsibility for his young wife and their unborn child and then their, this little infant. I can't imagine the sense of responsibility that he took and how he felt about it. And then to get there and there's no room and he has to do this for the birth. And so I would ask you, is there any time in the last year, the last two years, that you felt an awesome sense of responsibility that would maybe was a little overwhelming? Well, Joseph did. And there was a good ending. Just as there's a good ending for each one of us. So we've got weariness, we've got a strong sense of responsibility, then we've got the Magi. These are intelligent men. Uh, they, were, they were mages. They were astronomers. So they were kind of following instinct and intelligence to follow this astronomical phenomenon, not knowing what they'd find at the end, taking a journey off their path, so I would ask you in the last year, are you following along with me? In the last year or two, have you found yourself on a path you weren't expecting, going, I don't know why I'm going this direction, but this is the direction I'm going. There's got to be a good ending to this. And there is. Even if you're in the midst of any of these things and it hasn't happened yet, hang on for the miracle. Hang on. And then we've got the animals that are in the stable. They are us as humble beings connected to the earth. That's us. The shepherds, wow. Imagine if an angel appeared to you at your workplace and said, leave your workplace and go over here. I've got a surprise in store for you. Would you go? <laughs> For an angel. Yeah. And who knows what angels look like? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't just the apparition of the angels. It was the answer in their hearts. They said, yeah, we should go. And they did. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. 
So it's no wonder that this story touches us over the years because we identify deeply with the elements of the story because they are us. And then the most important element of all is the baby. The baby. Always and forever a symbol of innocence and new hope and anticipation and pure potential. The little Christ child. And today you could say the little Christ Kelly. The little Christ Leah. The little Christ to say your own name. Because if we're not reborn every day, then we're living a life that's stale. We're living a life that is so predictable that we no longer have the pliability to roll with life as it comes, to look for blessings where we can, to wait for, I won't say a miracle, but to say the outworking of God that appears like a miracle because we can't believe how beautiful it is. When I was in seminary, they taught us that miracles aren't really, aren't really that. They're the way God shows up that surprises us. They're the ordinary workings of God, but stunning to our human experience. Because you've had miracles. You know what they're like. You know how they feel. You know how they look. You know how they knock you down. And we would probably experience more of them if we allowed ourselves to do so, if we became as little children again, if we allowed that new hope and that new life and that new love to spring forth in us, to meet that divine life exactly where it is. Say, wow, look at this. Wow, look at this. Today, I had to go up and down Mopac, and it was clear. And the glory of the Lord shone round about me. And I said, thank you, God, for this miracle. Um, I, I picked up my big food order yesterday at Whole Foods Market, and they forgot my bread, and I wanted to have my bread, and I thought, okay, can I do it? Can I, can I, can I get there in time and get out? And it was like waltzing into Whole Foods and going through the checkout and then waltzing out. Thank you, God. And there were people on the street corners, still people on the street corners, and there was an opportunity to bless them. And there's you, with whom we get to share the miracle of each other, the beauty of the glory of the Christ self in each one of you that shines through your eyes and your smile and your presence and your energy. It's why we have church. Why we have church, because we need to be reminded how to see the face of God all over the place with people who want to do the same thing you do, people that want to experience the presence of God the same way you do. And so, yes, 
we respond to the story. We don't have to know the details. We don't have to know whether or not it happened exactly as we said. There are deeper and deeper themes that speak to us. And I know that I went through a period of time in my life where I totally dismissed the Christmas story. What a nice fable, I said. It was just convenient to have it at that time of the year because of the winter solstice and the full moon and all those things that set it into place that lined up with the holidays of the earth people. I mean, the scholars say Jesus might have been born in June. Somehow it just wouldn't be quite the same, would it? Or would it? Maybe our June Christmas trees would have pears on them. You know? So for a while there, I dismissed the story until I re-embraced it. Because we sing those songs and they bring a sense of familiarity and beloved traditions to us. And yes, sometimes they're about Santa landing on the roof. And sometimes they're about um, the biological impossibility of a reindeer that has a special feature. And sometimes they're about the first Noel and the angels. And sometimes they're about the, the lowly shepherds and the great wise men and the little drummer boy. Because we yearn, we yearn for that freshness. We yearn for that hope. We yearn for that newness. And then we discover that Christmas isn't just December 25th. It's not just the new Christmas Eve service at your church. It's also every single day of your living existence. That brand new birth. I don't know that I'll keep my tree up all year to remind me of that, but I might wear my sparkly shoes more often to remind me. I might keep one of my painted Santa Clauses out because he represents the spirit of generosity. And for sure, look into a baby's eyes in a non-threatening way Look into a baby's eyes and see that which you are at depth. See that. Because that's what we're about. That's what this is about. That's what the, the candles and the carols and the turkeys and the presents, that's what it's all about. Our little manger scenes. So be of good cheer. When you need a refresher, say the words, and the glory of the Lord shone round about me. And watch it happen. And so let us pray.
A meditation really is just a time to hit the pause button, just to pause and breathe. Because there are excited and anxious children everywhere. And for a moment, we embrace their joy. And there are those who don't have plenty at Christmas. And yet their hearts are full. And we join with those brothers and sisters. And we provide for where we are able and guided to do so. And there are those that are not passing this Christmas with us this year because they're no longer on this earth in the form that we knew them or we're unable to travel to them or them to us. But the work of our hearts, the embrace of our hearts takes us there anyway. So if you will, just during this time, pick one or two people or a group of people and send your love out across time and space. And if there's any unforgiveness in you today, go ahead and let go of that too and forgive. Let your heart be silent and holy with this night. Let your heart unite with all those who celebrate Christmas and all of those who celebrated their other religious holidays throughout this month. And now look deep into your heart. And there, in the depths of you, is the part of you that cannot be touched by the circumstances and events of this world. The part of you that is wise and innocent, that is full of wonder, and yet full of the joy and sorrow that mark a human life. that deep and intimate part of you, that's what is reborn. And beloved, there is nothing else to do except to be with it. In knowing this deep and beloved part of yourself forever and ever connected with God, it allows you then to embrace 
everyone else in your life with that same wisdom and innocence and joy. The glory of the Lord shines around you. Breathe again, beloved. Breathe. And may your heart be filled with peace. May your days know only hope. May you carry the joy of the ages. And may love be your guiding star forever and ever. Amen. Amen.